Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 229, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by... Did you ever wonder how we get those great ideas for articles on The Practical Herbalist, or those interviews on The Real Herbalism Radio, or the summit ideas that we have on Herbs in Action? Well, they're all generated from usually one place, and that is the Herbal Nerd Society. If you want a voice in what we produce and what we cater to and make for you, then check out the Herbal Nerd Society and become a member. You will not only get that voice, but you always get an, you'll also get an ad-free viewing environment on The Practical Herbalist, herbalnerdsociety.com. Now, here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Candace. How you doing? <laughs> are you still kind of creeped out by all the TikTok? Oh, God. You know, I brought up horror stories. I mean, I think you and I could could uh, sit around a campfire and, and remember remember that time and remember oh, that God. time and oh, remember yeah. that time. And I mean, I've had them oh. crawling in the tents. I've had them crawling on my shoes on the side of the freeway. I've had them embedded. I've had them engorged. I've had them. It's uh, just gross. I know. They're, they're nasty as hell. But, you know, if you think of everything that's going to bite you in Minnesota as a kid, you, you wouldn't go outside. Between yeah. the mosquitoes and the ticks and the mm-hmm. wasps and hornets and I tell you, you when I go. was when I was in fifth grade, I got invited to my first ever camp out, which was actually at a cabin. Ooh. It was a birthday party. Ah. There were I don't know five or six of us girls. You know, it was super exciting. I was so excited because I had been dreaming of being able to be in the woods at that point for most probably most of my my young life. Yeah, being from Detroit now. Yeah, well, and even at that, we moved into the suburbs in Minneapolis, and I'd lived there for a couple of years, and all the kids I knew had families that camped, but my parents did not camp. Well, camping and and going to the cabin are two different things. Either way, my parents didn't do that. They just stayed in the city, which, you know, it's a lot to be said for the city, but yeah, we didn't get into the wilderness at all. So I was so enthralled. It was just going to be this amazing experience. And we went out and we were playing. And then we got back and it was time for bed and we had to do a tick check. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was a little grossed out when I realized what they meant. There were two ticks found on the gaggle of us girls. Both of them or one of them was caught and crushed before. No no ticks embedded, but one was caught and crushed and right. the other one got away. Uh-oh. Yeah, it found me in oh, the middle no. of the night, embedded itself right on the edge of my eyelid. How is that? Still, when like, you tell me that story, every time yeah. I cringe and I can't figure it out to myself, like, how it did was, you not feel it crawling on your back? Because I was asleep. Yeah, but oh Duh. my God. Well, <laughs> I can you're talking tell, to Princess in the P.O. I here. can tell you <laughs> that I have tickled you quite a few times across the face when you've been asleep and other things and you have not woken up. Don't I miss my opportunity? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I didn't didn't realize it till I got up, and it felt. Now I can say it felt like I had a sty. I'd never had any feeling like that before, but it felt like I had a sty, and I didn't know what was wrong. And then I can't remember who it was. It, the rest of the like the memory is sort of smeared because it was traumatic. Well, you yeah, know? I mean, I mean you're, someone you know. noticed what it was, and then the moms that were there didn't know how to take it out safely because it was right on the edge of my eyelid. Well, yeah, I mean, I lost part of my eyelashes. They didn't grow in until I was in my twenties. It took a long time for them. Those I follicles your point to recover. When we first met, see, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you and I did a lot of camping uh, when we were first together. And, you know, in our first 10 years of uh, marriage, we went, to, well, yeah. again, we went to a cabin because yeah, we cabins. don't camp. But no, we, I, we tented for quite a while, <laughs> well, too. We, well, yeah, we did. We didn't there, do the, like, the rugged, barely carrying anything. Yeah, we would go to a campground that had running yeah. water. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But even then, I mean, I remember, you know, we'd get in a tent and it was chick-chick, you know, chick-chick. Mm-hmm. You know, and you were like every, everywhere, check that body down. You know, uh-huh. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to have that happen again, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can say that it has never happened to me since. That was the only time I got a text embedded in my eyelid. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, it's just yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I've, yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, so, and it, you know, as a kid, it wasn't you know, it wasn't that big a deal. There, it was seventies, eighties. No one yeah, ever thought about it. But Lyme now, disease wasn't a thing then. Right, but now, yeah, and then, and then, then, I always got it was the the standard brown dog tick. That's the thing I always yeah. encountered when I was a kid. Yeah, in, yeah. In the Midwest, I remember being a like maybe in high school and someone asking about deer ticks, like. You know, oh, yeah, I, you know, and I didn't even know that that existed until Lyme disease started, you know, yeah. making the rounds, and right. and then it was, oh, well, we have deer ticks in Minnesota because, oh, okay, we have deer, uh, but yeah. what I was stunned by in the case of deer ticks was they're so bloody small, right? I mean, they look like a speck of dirt if you are yeah. looking for them hard. The, the, the brown dog ticks, you see them. Yeah, they're, they're pretty kinda, obvious. They're pretty obvious. There's deer ticks. No, and then they're the ones that carry it. Good God! I know. You know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was also, you know, and I'm again, I have no love for the tick. So if there's a tick evangelist out there, close your ears. Uh, <laughs> I, I just have a hard time with them. They're the, they're worse than most insects for me. But I thought that was interesting. That life cycle where they go onto an animal, they do a blood feed. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, and then they drop and then that's where they, you know, they, 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 they share spit, if you will, with, yeah. with their host and then they drop off. So if that host has got anything in there, they're going to get it. And then the ticks resiliency to keep it. Yeah. And then the next animal, cause they need another one. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, their next animal, which might be a little bit bigger. And then they're going to do that again. Yeah. And then you get this third happening where that, that's the actual point in their cycle where they're they're the big they're the adult tick and then they're gonna go on and make, you know, do the eggs and things. Yeah. And I just it's like not only does it do it one time, right, but the fact it does it three, I'm out. And this is the, the worst insect <laughs> I've ever I, now Give not, me a black widow. Now, I'll take that. Now you're not going to go out into the woods anymore? You're like oh, so done? No. I, I'll do what I did when I was a kid, be actively naive. Yeah. And I hate to say yeah. it that way, but if I thought about getting a tick on my, you know, in my nether regions or, or on my eyelid or wherever else, I'd never go out. I think that one of the things I really liked about Alexis's book is that she talks about how to how to handle it in you know, a practical preventative way i mean some of the things like doing the um what was that the tick tube no the impregnant the yeah prothrethrin something that getting that i think yeah yeah having that like clothing soaked in that and all of that that's perhaps you know beyond what i'm going to be willing to do myself i know you know and and just go on that i know she's a doctor i know that she's skilled and all that and but the first thing i thought of was like okay i have these clothes impregnated with this this pesticide essentially yeah and And now i'm I'm wearing hot and sweaty and they're gonna not permeate my skin yeah i was gonna say even if you're not hot and sweaty all of that is right next to your skin which is the biggest organ 
that no. absorbs stuff into yeah. your body. I know she says it was quote unquote safe. And, yeah. Uh, and if but, I lived in her area, I might do it too. Yeah. That's you know, true. I don't live in an area that has the same, you know, epicenter like feel in terms of Lyme disease. So, yeah. you know, that was one of the things I also liked about her book is that the, she's talking about how you should know the area you're in and then take steps for that area. Like one of the things that um, the bug bane recipe that Sue has. Oh, that Sue wrote for the yeah, 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 and it's on it's on the website. But that that recipe is one that has been very well tested in this area, and it works extraordinarily well in this area. And then at one point, I can't remember who it was. I think I sent some to someone I knew who was not in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and they told me that it didn't really seem to be working well. And I remember like when we were still out doing, you know, camping and stuff in the boundary waters and all of that, I'd looked up multiple times, you know, even just for being in the backyard in Minnesota, you know, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, I'd looked up multiple different natural remedies for preventing mosquitoes and stuff. And especially when our son was really young, I didn't want to put chemicals on him. And most of them didn't work very well at all. Oh, no, like, you, had to have, you had to have the deep. Yeah. And one of the things that reading Alexis's book, it got me thinking, you know, just, just like with ticks, depending on where you are and what ticks are in your area, you use different natural remedies and, and you know, preventatives than you might if you were in a different area. I expect it's the same with mosquitoes, too. So just because this formula works terrific in our area doesn't mean it's going to work, you know, terrific on the bayou. Yeah, because that's a very different climate. And with, different, probably different mosquito. Or yeah, tick or whatever. Well, and mosquitoes that have evolved or ticks that have evolved to within a different ecosystem, so they've all got different strategies and different of their own antibodies and different things that they prefer or don't, you know, do or don't like. So, yeah. I think you know, doing the things that make it difficult for them to, you know, attach, like you know. Having a permethrin spray that you can put on your shoes is probably more. I mean, when you're walking and hiking, I mean that's how they're going to get on you most of the time. Right. Anyways, is that well in um, your shoes? You have socks, so you've got a little bit of buffer right. between you know your skin and that yeah. the chemical. Yeah, the imp- the impregnation of the clothes with it was the one that I was like, oh, I don't know about that. That's how it's yeah. <laughs> but again, if I lived in an area where where Lyme disease, which was a much bigger player. And ticks were a yeah. much bigger problem. I might do it. Yeah, no, that's that's. That, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I probably would do it too, just because the the risks outweighs the other part of it. I, no one wants Lyme disease. I mean, it's it's. It, yeah, it's like anything else. You know, it, it has symptoms and it has its things. It has what it does, but it's not the same in every person. And uh, partly because of our immunity systems, partly mm-hmm. because of our nutrition, partly because of the thing. And I mean, we've seen that even in COVID. Yeah, you know, in, in recent yeah. in recent weeks and months that. You know, family member, family, and one, two members get it. One gets really, really sick, like I don't know, ventilator sick, and another person just has a couple, you know, bit has of, a sniffle, have a bottle of a cough, <laughs> and they're done. Yeah, you know, same COVID, different results. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah. It, it's your physiology makes a massive difference on any of these diseases. Yes, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. I think um, so. Uh, I liked her um, her ideas of you know helping you know your yard out a bit. Yeah, um, you know, designing it and thinking of it in a landscape way that is not as tick friendly. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that I was thought really that was important. smart. Yeah, she's got yeah. A, a section in a book that, that deals with that. I thought the 
at first when I first saw the tick tube, I didn't understand like did I like did the ticks go into the thing because they were attracted to it? <laughs> no, this comes back to that whole first round of feeding where they go on to mice and yeah. mice are everywhere. So if you so let's stop them first yeah, at the mouse let's, level. Let's stop them at the at the mouse level, then they you know they wouldn't necessarily have that yeah in them. So. I thought that was an interesting thing. It's simple to make, um, simple to hide and get out of the way. I mean, in, in a wood pile, you know, yeah. over by your compost, I suppose you could put something, you know, if you have a compost pile. Yeah, and she thing. said in the book, she said something like you only need one like every 20 feet or so. It's if not. That, you know, and I mean, yeah. I use dryer lint to start fires like, you know, in our in our fireplace. Or yeah. Something. I could <laughs> use a, you know, I could use dryer lint to, you know, to make a couple of those. And you can just use the toilet paper rolls. It's very simple. Uh, that, was, that is if you have toilet paper rolls. Well, okay. We're beyond that now. <laughs> well, I don't know. I went to Some the areas... store the other day and there was nothing. for the, Everyone was going down that aisle. was almost laughing. Yeah. Because here we are, you know, six, eight weeks in and we, there's still no toilet paper at that store. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. That made no sense. Yeah. That would be a really good time to really like plant lots of comfrey and learn to identify poison ivy and poison oak. Just in case you need to use natural toilet paper. You so don't you, want to make so, a mistake. So you're going to have comfrey? Now. Hey, okay, comfrey's right. got soft leaves. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> bad. <laughs> um, I also liked on the, on the book the identifications um, and breaking it down by region. It wasn't just a specific general Lyme disease book or a general yeah. tick book. It was specific to your region. For instance, yeah. in the Pacific Northwest, we have the black tick. Yeah. Looks like the brown tick, but it's black and has a little bit different things. It lives in different habitat, does different things. I, I and it, it picks know. up and picks up some slightly different right. potential virons. Exactly. And uh, breaking that down for that region, that's great. Breaking it down for the Southwest, breaking it down. I mean, who knew there was ticks everywhere? Oh, yeah, they're I everywhere. I mean, they should have known. They're pl- prolific. And the other thing was she told me that when the temperature gets above, just above freezing, they get active. Oh, man, my whole my whole worldview of, of ticks being frozen out is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Dang it. No, they just are hibernating. Apparently. Uh, but, yeah, the slightest bit of warmth and they're like, ooh, food. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, again, they're the nastiest little guys ever. And again, if there's okay, somebody so, out there that may see their doctorate on it, I'm sorry, but they're nasty. So how do we recover from the trauma of talking about ticks and thinking about ticks? I'm thinking maybe a little bit of, I don't know, oat straw with a little milky oats tincture in there to like ease the nerves a little. Oh, you mean my nerves? You know, yeah. My Some chamomile, settle your stomach a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Work yourself back from the fear place and place the fear and emotion. You know, yeah. possibly Creepy. consider a ginger can, little slice of candy ginger to, you know, soothe that nausea. <laughs> Serenity now. Serenity now. Serenity now. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I, I like I said, I enjoyed her. So she's been. I think you know she fell into it. Um, I don't think that you know she started her career along this those paths. I don't think that's you know I know that according to her, that's not where she was going to end up. I thought it was really cool that you know somebody that was in her family but not immediately you know hey you should go here check this out and it just resonated with her and that was a naturopathic school. Yeah, you know that is one of those things I wish I had had when I was when I was younger when I was like at the very beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. I know I wouldn't be here doing real herbalism radio oh, right sure. now if, if that had happened. I'd be doing something very different. But well, yeah. there are times where I romantically think, wow, you know, if only someone had pointed out to me that maybe instead of studying Shakespeare and old English wars, it would be wise for me to consider looking more 
seriously at herbalism and botany and, you know, maybe a little bit physiology and anatomy. Consider maybe instead of writing manuals about how to move, you know, program machine tools, I could have been learning about acupuncture. I kind of wish I had done that, but, you know, I can't go back 30 years and redo, so... And where I'm at is a good place to be. So, you know. yep. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to do the things you've been doing with um, herbalism and stuff for the last 10 years. I mean, we each find the path to it. It just yeah. ends up taking different ways and getting us there and, and uh, you know, the right times, you know, the right things at the right moments. Yeah, it's funny how that's one of the things that I've been making peace with more, I think, because we've been through the pandemic experience. And it's forced a lot of people to quiet down for business to shut if businesses businesses to shut down therefore people staying home and the city just quieted more i mean on on every possible level things quieted down and i think it gave a lot of us the opportunity to just sit with it to you know look at where have we been where what have we done there have been so many times where we've interviewed people and i have been not regretful. I've been really thankful they've done what they've done. And it's not that I've been jealous of them, but I look at what they've done and the inspirations they had and the opportunities that arose. And I felt sorrow for myself because I didn't find the path that, you know, that path. Mm -hmm. I didn't find a similar path. And I look back and wish, oh gosh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. And having this time during the pandemic and the shelter in place, to really be with that has also given me the opportunity to say, you know, yeah, I kind of wish if I could go back and start a separate timeline and see where that goes, it would be interesting. But being where I am now has given me skills I wouldn't have otherwise had. You know, I was able to work with you together to put the Herbs in Action Summit together and and all of that, you know, all the technical stuff that we had to learn for that and all of the marketing that I had to do, mm-hmm. you know, I had to figure out how to do and do it fast. I couldn't have done any of that that without the background that I had. So if I had studied herbalism and, and physiology and anatomy and spent my life as an acupuncturist, I wouldn't have been able to put together that summit. And the reality is I probably have helped a lot more people by putting together that one summit or by doing real herbalism radio than I could have had I spent a lifetime doing acupuncture. Maybe. You know? yeah. Other Maybe. people like, you know, Dr. Chesney is probably helping millions of people just with one little book, you know? So you think about how much of an effect you can have on the world around you. And sometimes the path that you take to get there isn't really the one that you think would be the right one, but ultimately it's the most effective. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it was a good read. I think it's a, a good one to have in your in your library, especially I think it's a good one to have at your cabin. Yeah. So if you have a cabin yeah. in the woods, uh, this is one to add just uh, just to make sure that you, you know, you've got your cabin set the way you want. Make it. I think know. this one might be one that's like the um, uh, All That the Rain Promises, which is the mushroom, oh, my yeah. favorite field guide for the mushrooms. We have two copies, yeah. one that goes with us in the field and, and one, one that, that stays, stays at home, home just yeah. in case there's ever a loss or a damage. And just in case you want to look at one while I'm looking at one and I'm not going to let you use my copy. So we each have our own. Right. I kind of actually think that uh, Lexus's book might be a good one because it's it's a really good little fee- little handy 
compact. Right, right. You will have links to you know getting her book from from our website, uh, from the show notes. Uh, oh, yeah. Make sure if you're gonna you purchase it, purchase from all those links. I believe it uh, helps. It's more specific. I think she had said that uh, signed copies. Yes, you're gonna from, get signed copies from, from that link through that her. We're, yeah. we're gonna give, which you know, mm-hmm. and, and to be fair, that she gets more of a take of that than just sending her off to Amazon or sending off to Amazon. Yeah, use the link that's in the. Um, uh, I think it's called – I forget which tab. It's in one of the tabs and it says not an affiliate link. Use that link to get like a signed copy from her and directly from right. her. Right. Yeah, we do have Amazon links on the show notes. If you use that, potentially we get some small part of the sale. But honestly, I mean I'd rather see Alexis oh, yeah, and her publisher um, get – I want to pr- promote or I want to support them. Yeah, definitely for sure. So, yep. Thanks, Alexis. It was a good uh, good one. And always? No, 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 no. no. We got oh. more. Oh, we got more? Yeah, hold on. <gasps> Ooh, what more do we have? We'll be back in a bit. Oh, man. That's such a pickup. You got to try this tiger tea from Sacred Blossom Farms. In fact, if you go to sacredblossomfarms.com right now and enter in real herb, all caps, 15, you can save 15% on your next order. Tell them that Practical Herbal sent you. So we got a little bit more. Um, we always like it when people um, contact us. Um, many of you have been contacting us through our little talk to chat uh, button on our, our website. Uh, we added that because we wanted to get more um, interactivity, and it's really worked well. Um, occasionally, we will be live, so sometimes you might be lucky, and you'll see us actually it says, hey, we're online and we're there. That means it's either Candace or myself fielding questions. So we could be there. But if not, it's just a little email icon. You click on that, fill a little bit of a form, and then you can send off your questions to us. Now, remember, we, we can't we – can't, um, uh, what's the term? We, can't we do not diagnose, diagnose and we don't offer treatments because we are not medical professionals. Right, and we're, we're not – and to be honest, I'm not a clinical herbalist. Right. You know, and I'm not going to, you know, be, be able to help you in that thing. And, you know, the fact is, is you probably have somebody local that can do that. So – all other questions are abound. So ID and uh, just in general alleys like we did last show about um, about what field guides to use. Hey, we're all for that. Um, so this question it follows along those lines. So this question comes from Sophia. This was from our little chat box on our website. She says, hi, I'm thinking t- um, to make some licorice extract using, some finament, using the fin- liniment method with some rubbing alcohol for topical use. Would I be able to use this extraction directly onto the skin what I need to be diluted, i.e. with creams, etc. Candace, what do you think? I would use it directly on the skin. Would you? Yeah, I definitely would. If you're talking about an essential oil, yes, you do need to dilute that. Essential oils are made through a distillation process. So it will be only the volatile oils that are in an essential oil. And they're really, they can burn. You know, right. they can, no they can cause there. There's no right. nothing else there. That's just that. Right. No oils. Right. right, right. But when you do an extraction, the liquid, in this case the alcohol or rubbing alcohol, is going to extract not only the um, volatile oils, but it'll also extract other aspects like any resins or fats that are in the plant as well as you know other types of constituents. And you don't get as concentrated an amount. You'll get plenty of good concentration in the liniment to do medicinal activity, but you don't get any enough that it's like dangerous. Whereas essential oils, it concentrates the volatile oils so much so 
that it's dangerous. You know, that one drop of lavender oil represents about, I can't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood, a couple of pounds or a pound of lavender flowers. Oh, wow. So it's a, it's a large amount of plant material that goes into that one, you know, one ounce or one drop or whatever it is. I think people don't, don't I, I, I know I don't think about that, the, the amount, the ratio of product in to product out. Right, you know, right, how yeah. How many pounds and tons of lavender it takes to make a gallon of of essential, of essential oil. oil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it differs from plant to plant. Yeah, Lavender's, exactly. Lavender is less expensive to purchase, uh, like from a distiller or whomever you're buying your essential oils from, because you get an awful lot of essential oils from every pound of lavender. Right. Whereas rose is incredibly expensive because you need exponentially more pounds of rose petals just to get that same amount of, you know, finished ounce or eighth ounce or whatever. So, but anyway, back to the question with a liniment, when you're making that, you'll probably be putting in somewhere in the neighborhood of a ratio of one to five. So one for every one ounce of well, I'm sorry, I usually do grams. So for every, you know, for every 10 grams of plant material, you're going to use five times that amount of alcohol. So you would do like 10 grams of licorice root with 50 grams of uh, liniment of, sorry, not liniment, alcohol, rubbing alcohol. I'm used to do thinking in terms of tinctures. So I'm thinking, you know, Right, tincture, you're thinking but, like you're going to yeah. actually consume it. This right. is more skin method, so you yeah. can actually go rubbing alcohol. Or... Right, true, true. And I mean, truthfully, if you wanted to use a tincture topically, you could do that. So you don't have to use rubbing alcohol for a liniment. You can use your whatever your grain alcohol is or whatever type of alcohol you typically just uh, extract in. So, All right. Yeah. I hope that helps. <laughs> I'm sure Sophia will enjoy the answer. All right. So with that, put an, put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.